Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 4 of A New Voice of Freedom, written by Ronald Keith Messer. This podcast is taken from a series of books written under the banner of In Defense of Christianity. Podcast 120, The Sabbath Day, Part 3, is entitled The Ten Commandments, B. Parallelism has many uses in the Old Testament. It allows for easy memorization. It provides structure and makes strong connections over distance, even down the centuries. It gives unity, economy, clarity, emphasis, variety, and coherence with minimum use of language. It provides multiple ways of reading passages. Parallelism suggests a unit of meaning, and whenever repetition occurs, those passages can be read both separately and together, one enlarging the meaning of the other. It is almost like a code. Those who understand the code, as the children of Israel would have, would have clearly understood what the prophets were saying, because it would all be in context. Because of parallelism, one passage of Scripture would automatically suggest to the mind another passage with a similar theme. We all know that the mind links through association. Notice, for example, through parallelism, how the Ten Commandments are a direct offshoot of the six days of creation. The Hebrews would have made the connections automatically since Moses is the author. It is built into the rhetorical patterns. For example, verse 1 of Genesis begins, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Notice that the first three commandments parallel the story of creation by acknowledging God as creator and defines our relationship to Him. God instructs the children of Israel that they should not confuse things that are created by the power of God with the Creator Himself. The power is in God, not in the creation. Having come out of Egypt, an idol-worshiping nation, after living there for 400 years, the Hebrews had forgotten the concept of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But first notice the introduction to the Ten Commandments for it establishes the theme and explains why James calls the Ten Commandments the law of liberty. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. The Lord reminded the children of Israel that it was he who brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. In the following Ten Commandments, The Lord instructs the children of Israel on how to remain free from the house of bondage. Remember that the Israelites tried to take all the customs of Egypt with them to the promised land, which centered around idol worship, the source of bondage. The Egyptian idols represented everything that was evil and kept them in slavery. Throughout history, every evil is associated with idol worship. That is why we have the first two commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. 
thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Adding the third commandment to the two above turns their hearts away from idols, introduces the principle of one God, and directs their worship directly to their Creator. It also teaches a new concept in worship, reverence rather than fear. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. The Lord continues to connect the story of creation to the Ten Commandments. Following the six days of creation, in chapter 2, the Lord reveals to Moses, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. That is acknowledged in the Ten Commandments. In fact, it parallels the Fourth Commandment. Remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor, and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and hallowed it. Following the story of the spiritual creation of man, referred to on day 6 in chapter 1, we have the physical creation of man. We are told in Genesis 2-7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. That is acknowledged in the fifth commandment. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The connections are clear. The Lord uses the father and mother to continue his work of the creation of man. By honoring our parents, we are honoring God. We are created from the dust of the earth or the elements of the earth. Commandment 5 is known as a commandment with a promise. Notice the peculiar promise. Thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. That is still another reason why the Ten Commandments are called the law of liberty. A curse is also imposed by implication. If we do not honor our father and mother, if we do not honor the sanctity of marriage between a man and a woman, our days will not be long upon the land which the Lord has given us. When we are told to honor our parents, we are actually told to honor several things. Marriage between a man and a woman, the sacredness of marriage, the connection of marriage with creation, the gift of creation of a mortal body, given to each of us individually by our parents, the necessity of having both a father and a mother in the home. In addition, the Lord is not just speaking of our immediate parents. He is speaking of our ancestors, 
our entire genealogical line clear back to our first parents, Adam and Eve, the Israelites would have been reminded that they were of the house of Abraham, and their God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was Jacob who was called Israel, and his twelve sons became head of the twelve tribes. Malachi, the last prophet of the Old Testament, confirms the importance of remembering our ancestors. Malachi 4, 4-6 through Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb of all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. The first five commandments teach us to honor God. The last five commandments teach us to honor mankind. It is a form of the royal law. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and love thy neighbor as thyself. Commandment six reminds us of the first murder, Cain killing his brother Abel. Thou shalt not kill. The seventh commandment refers to the sacredness of the marriage covenant between a man and a woman. Thou shalt not commit adultery. It takes us back to the first marriage, that of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Genesis two eighteen through 24 And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs, and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. It is clear that the Lord himself married Adam and Eve, because in Genesis 3, Eve is referred to as Adam's wife three times. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins, and clothed them. The seventh commandment also teaches us to honor the marriage covenant and recognize the holy bonds between men and women. It teaches us the importance of fidelity in marriage. The genealogical line was not meant to be broken. There is no greater evidence of the perfect equality of men and women than the story of Adam and Eve. History has shown that infidelity is one of the greatest threats to marriage, and its practice has divided many homes, separating husband from wife, wife from husband, parents from children, and children from parents, and even children from children. The last three commandments complete the code of ethics we should use in creating a free society in a fallen world. In fact, 
Commandments 6 through 10, if lived exactly, would create a perfect society. If you think of the story of Cain and Abel, the violation of Commandments 8 through 10 is what led to Abel's murder by his brother. Cain was jealous that the Lord accepted Abel's offering. If Cain had honored the last three commandments, he would not have murdered his brother. Exodus 20. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Such precise correlation between the Ten Commandments and the story of the creation and the fall of man would not have been lost on the twelve tribes of Israel. Assuming the common timeline, Adam was 4,000 years before Christ, Moses was about 1,500 years before Christ, and Christ came 2,000 years ago in the meridian of time, which begins our calendar year. It is unique that when Christ begins his ministry, one of the first things he does is to affirm the creation story and the Ten Commandments. However, he does it in a way that has reverberated down through the centuries as the two greatest commandments of all time. Please join us next week as we continue discussing the Ten Commandments in Part 4. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.